current business environment, we still have some of the lasting effects from the pandemic and regulatory trends. There's really been some decisions made or some of the new regulatory laws that have given shareholders a bigger voice, I think, in the governance process. Because of that, we're seeing increases in shareholder proposals and I think some of a reinsurance or a resurgence really in shareholder activism. Welcome to the Executive Compensation Podcast. On this show, we discuss all aspects of executive compensation. Whether you're a compensation committee member, a seasoned compensation professional, or just curious to learn more about executive compensation, then this show is the answer. Each episode brings you a focused and actionable interview on specific topics of executive compensation. This episode is brought to you by Meridian Compensation Partners. Meridian works with compensation committees to ensure the most effective processes are in place to go beyond mere compliance with governance requirements and create healthy dynamic relationships between the board, management, and its advisors. Meridian helps boards use compensation to attract and retain critical talent and to make informed business decisions that will link pay and performance, drive business results, increase shareholder value, and mitigate potential risks. Learn more at meridiancp.com. Welcome to the Executive Compensation Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Harvey. And on this episode, I'm joined by Jeff Keckley and Caroline Montalbano. Jeff is a lead consultant working out of our Meridian's Chicago office, and Caroline's a lead consultant working out of our Woodlands, Texas office. Jeff, Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. So today we're going to be discussing engagement with shareholders on executive compensation issues. And of course, you know, the proxy statement remains the primary tool which companies use to communicate their executive compensation structure to shareholders. However, direct engagement with investors has become increasingly important in compensation governance. In the past, you know, many companies would only seek to engage with shareholders on executive compensation if they received a poor outcome on say on pay. But more and more companies are incorporating shareholder listening and engagement proactively into their annual governance process. So Jeff, I want to start with the basics. What exactly do we mean when we talk about shareholder engagement? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Shareholder engagement really is a term that encompasses all the different ways right? that companies communicate with their shareholders. And that communication happens really in many different forms throughout the year, right? Through, as you mentioned, public filings, the 10K, the proxy statement, earnings releases, or press releases, earnings calls, right? And even other publications like the investor presentation or sustainability reports. But those are really one-way communications. You know, and many institutional investors really want to engage with the company, right? Have a dialogue with management and the board. And that's more of like a shareholder outreach, right? A direct conversation with investors, which is one form of shareholder engagement and I think the one that we're going to focus on in today's discussion, you know, while this is not new, this engagement is really becoming increasingly important in recent years. Many investors, I think, are really expecting this level of engagement with companies. And I think it provides opportunities, right, for companies to further communicate their vision or, you know, explain how some of the decisions they're making support some of the, the longer term strategies of the company. And really to hear from investors, understand what, what matters most to investors. Sure. Has there been anything in particular you think that's been driving increased shareholder engagement? It definitely feels like with the clients that I work with that we're just seeing more and more direct engagement outreach over the last 10 years. Anything in particular you think that might be driving that? Yeah, I think there's probably multiple factors, right, that's contributing to that. And it really has been increasing in recent years. 
you can look at, you know, some of the evolving governance compensation standards, of course, the increased focus on ESG, right? Particularly human capital management, environmental DE&I issues of the current business environment, right? We still have some of the lasting effects from the pandemic and regulatory trends, right? There's really been some decisions made or some of the new regulatory laws that have given shareholders a bigger voice, I think, in the governance process. Because of that, we're seeing increases in shareholder proposals and I think some of a reinsurance or resurgence really in shareholder activism. Yeah. I mean, as you kind of alluded to, really what kicked all of this off, you know, well over a decade ago was the expanded proxy rules and the say and pay rules. And I think we've just seen it continue to grow in momentum around direct outreach to shareholders. So Caroline, there's some risk involved with this. So, you know, you're reaching out to shareholders, but there's a fair amount of potential work involved and risk involved. What are some of the benefits to a company of engaging with shareholders, you know, outside of the normal proxy process? I think that's a great question, Ryan. I would really put it very simply, which is that shareholder engagement is your opportunity to hear directly from your shareholders, to solicit their feedback, to gather their perspectives before they make their views known in your annual vote results. And you're right, it can be a bit daunting to get started because there is some planning and some prep that needs to go into your shareholder engagement or your strategy for outreach. But really, from a benefits perspective, you're building relationships and trust with your shareholder base. And then even beyond that, the information you receive from your shareholders may provide you or companies with insight into potential changes to consider, upcoming trends to anticipate and plan for, and potentially opportunities to enhance or improve how you're telling your story externally. So I definitely think there are pretty far-reaching benefits that make it worth a company's time to start to make this part of their ongoing governance program. I think that's an interesting point because I think historically, shareholder engagement was very often associated with a failed say on pay vote or some other particular issue. But as you mentioned, we're seeing more and more companies really build this in the process. So kind of digging into that a little bit more, how often is the right cadence? Is this something you should be really talking about every year with your major investors? And what is the right kind of cadence and timeline? I think, yes, probably we would say that companies should adopt a regular cadence of shareholder engagement that starts on a cycle of planning to reach out to your shareholders at least once per year. And this is an opportunity to cast a bit of a broader net. So you may seek to reach out to a broader group than just perhaps your top 10 or 20 shareholders. From a timing perspective, we typically see companies plan their primary engagement with shareholders for the fall. So late Q3, kind of early Q4 timing. And the benefit of this window is that this is often really sort of an off-season for your institutional investors or the major shareholders. This is when the governance and compensation teams of those institutional investors are not as busy and they're not competing for their time as you would, for example, during the proxy season. And then additionally, this timing of late sort of Q3, early Q4, this is ideal for companies to be able to consider the feedback that they've received from shareholders as they think about upcoming compensation decisions or incentive plan designs for the next year. The only other thing I might say from sort of a cadence perspective is that we do sometimes see companies adopt more of a two times per year cycle or sort of schedule of touch points, maybe a deeper dive in that full timing that I just described, and then planning for a second touch point during proxy season, sort of ahead of the annual meeting. 
I think it's just worth acknowledging that trying to engage with your investor base during the proxy season can be challenging because you're competing for their time with other companies. You're competing for their time as they're trying to read and vote probably hundreds, potentially thousands of proxies. But it may be critical. That may still be a critical time to engage with your investor base, particularly if you're trying to secure their vote following an adverse vote recommendation from the proxy advisors or potentially in light of a shareholder proposal. That makes sense. What's your experience been? You know, so you said ideally once a year, maybe occasionally you might be able to have two meetings. What's your experience been with getting those meetings on a calendar? Are investors responsive? Of course, you alluded that it in the actual proxy season itself, it might be difficult. But even outside of that season, what's the general likelihood that you're going to get an investor who's willing to meet? I mean, I think it can kind of depend investor to investor and sort of what's top of mind for each organization. But generally, companies, in my experience, have had pretty good success with reaching out. And even if you reach out to an investor and, for example, they say, no, we don't feel like there's a need to meet at this point in time, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It may be that they support your program design and your governance practices as they are currently in place. And if anything, it sort of is a tick in the good governance column that you reached out and offered time for that engagement. So now we're reaching out. We're trying to assemble some meetings who should be on the team? What's the right individuals internally at a company that should be part of the preparation and then also on the actual call itself with the investor? Yeah, this is really important. And I think is part of really a planful preparation process. My suggestion is to include members of management that are comfortable speaking to probably the following key areas. Absolutely, yes, executive compensation, but also governance practices and programs, and then something around sustainability or ESG matters. And beyond that, I also often suggest including a member of the investor relations team who can provide perspective on the company's overall strategy and then also are usually well-equipped to field any broader questions that may come up related to financial or operational performance, for example. Something that I've learned through shareholder engagement, both as a consultant and then certainly as a member of the management team responsible for conducting these meetings is that although you may go into a conversation with your shareholders with a very specific agenda or topic in mind, executive compensation, for example, once you get into that conversation, you may find that shareholders want to take the discussion down a whole different path. So for example, they may not want to discuss executive compensation because they are supportive of the programs that you have in place, but they may instead want to discuss board of director tenure, board diversity, or perhaps the company's ESG strategy. Proactively having somebody in the room ready to jump in and field those questions can be a great help. And it just sets you up to be able to maximize your time and their time during the conversation. One point that I would add to that, which sometimes can maybe be an afterthought, but is really important is to designating someone to be taking notes in this meeting, right? To make sure that everybody even coming out of the meeting understands what was said and some of the follow-up and action items on that. So one just kind of follow up on that with board members. When does it make sense? I know you don't, you know, you you can you don't want to overuse your board members' time, but there are probably some meetings where it does make sense to have a member of the compensation committee or the committee chair to be part of one of these meetings. When might that make sense? Yeah, I think it can vary company to company and it's probably a bit of a strategic decision on when you include a member of your board or a member of your compensation committee in those conversations often probably informed by the audience that you're meeting with and certainly the goals of the engagement. I would say 
on an ongoing basis, often in my experience, we see those conversations conducted by the management team, but perhaps with the offer of a conversation with a board member, if the shareholder would like, so that they know that avenue of communication is available to them. And then certainly where we are, see companies facing more challenging situations, such as when they're trying to respond to a poor say on pay vote or navigate a shareholder proposal, those are often prime opportunities to bring a member of the board in and provide your shareholders with that additional perspective. Yeah, I've seen some situations, particularly when you're facing a potential rough say on pay vote where some investors, they won't have the conversation unless a committee member is on the call. So you occasionally get that request. So let's shift a little bit, Jeff. Now we've got a meeting scheduled with an investor. We've got the team assembled. What should be on the agenda? How do we prepare for that meeting? Yeah, it's really important to establish a process up front to how to conduct these meetings and of course, prepare for each of these meetings individually. I'd say most importantly is understanding or making sure that the team understands who they're meeting with, right? Know the key issues or the important topics that shareholder has expressed. Be familiar with past conversations you've had with that investor. Know their views on governance issues, right? You can research the proxy voting guidelines or any other information that they've released publicly and understand how they voted in the past on some of your proposals and even other company proposals could be similar proposals that you're dealing with. It's important to understand how they viewed those in the past. You know, know that I mean, shareholders, they have differing perspectives, right? And sometimes even different motivations with meeting with companies. So considering that upfront and preparing the team for that, I think is an important step. You mentioned an agenda, right? Important to have an agenda in advance, share an agenda, you know, keep it focused to a few key topics and share that with the investor. As Caroline mentioned earlier, right? these conversations can take different turns. What you want to talk about is not necessarily what the institutional investor wants to discuss, but at least having an agenda, communicating that makes all parties kind of aware of what you know, is the intended topics. You know, and then there's developing a list of talking points right? and having that and sharing that with the full team that's going to be on the call. You know, you highlight recent changes that's been made or new programs that have been implemented, especially in situations where it's in direct response to, to shareholder feedback. You can craft questions, right? Understand what the investor's position is. I mean, look at this as an opportunity to really learn what matters most to some of these institutional investors and maybe even why they're investing in the company. And then, of course, if some of these institutional investors that follow the proxy advisory reports, it's important to understand what's in those reports and be prepared to address any negative comments or criticisms from the proxy advisors in these meetings as well. Specific to executive compensation, if that's a topic on the agenda, it's really important to give context to those programs, right? Provide not just the structure, but the, you know, the rationale for design changes, explain how the programs and the plans support the compensation philosophy and align with the business strategy and highlight how that those plans and those programs and the executive compensation create share or create pay and performance alignment. I'd say that maybe one other comment is, you know, in preparation, the investors don't necessarily want to hear from the compensation consultant. I don't think that we're typically in these meetings, but this is one area that we assist with is helping to draft the talking points and some of the preparation for these meetings. Yeah, I, actually, just yesterday, I was working with a client, working through talking points. You know, we're in the midst of the proxy season right now, and an investor was interested in having a call on compensation. And one of the things we were careful to do when we were setting up those talking points is we prepared to address. There was a handful of things that the proxy advisory firms had mentioned in the reports, a few critical items, 
And we made sure that we were prepared to address those and had good talking points for the management team to use. But also, those were really something that was in our hip pocket because we didn't know exactly what the investors' issues were going to be. And very often, they're different than the proxy advisor. So rather than just jumping in and starting to defensively address issues that they may not even be important to them, I think it's always important to let the investor, particularly if they have things that they want to talk about, let them guide the discussion a bit and then address the issues they bring up as opposed to being overly defensive. So Caroline, you've talked a little bit about this already, but want to just circle back. So what should we expect? How do these meetings typically go? What kind of feedback are we going to get? And then what do we do with that feedback once we've received it? Yeah. So I think that essentially there's been some sort of great insight from our conversation so far on how these meetings typically go. Really being prepared to open up the meeting and provide the shareholder with the perspective of what you're hoping to cover, but then leaving space and acknowledging that at the end of the day, you're really seeking their insights on where they'd like the conversation to go, any trends that are on the horizon, and really their direct feedback on the programs and practices that you have in place. I would say once that meeting starts to wrap up or as you're moving through the engagement and it's sort of how to handle the feedback that you receive, Jeff mentioned this earlier. But probably the most important thing that you can do is create a log. Start to really take notes on who you engaged with, when you met with them, and then most importantly, the specific points of feedback received and the questions that they asked. And this is important for a variety of reasons. One, this will enable everybody that participated an opportunity to compare notes and make sure we all heard the same thing. And then this also allows you to start to think about Kind of are there key themes that are bubbling to the surface here through the course of our shareholder engagement? And which of these key themes or sort of suggested changes are actionable versus not? And that's something that we could talk about a little bit further in a second. But creating that log also enables you to start to summarize the feedback for purposes of summarizing it back to your committee or to your board of directors at the conclusion of the outreach it prepares you to be able to summarize the course of the engagement and the feedback for the proxy, which also, or often I would say, is kind of the culmination of your shareholder outreach on an annual basis. And then that log can be a really helpful tool when you come around to do your shareholder engagement the following year, because you can cast back and sort of see, okay, we met with this shareholder last year. Here are some of the key questions that they raised or changes that they expressed an interest in seeing. And you can start to sort of link those conversations together and begin to or prepare yourself to provide an update back to your shareholder in the course of the next engagement on what you heard and any actions that you've taken since the previous conversation. That's a great way of really demonstrating to your shareholders that you're listening to them and that you are thoughtfully considering that feedback. Once you have sort of come through your shareholder engagement cycle and you can start to look for those consistent themes or key trends that have often come up, then you can start to think through what is actionable versus what is something to continue to monitor. And what I mean by that is that companies may find through shareholder engagement that shareholders are seeking programmatic or structural changes that may not align or support the company's compensation or governance objectives at this point in time. And it's not to say that feedback should be discarded. It's helpful feedback, no doubt, but it may be an area where the company is not ready to make a change. So using that information or kind of those nudges through your shareholder engagement conversation, that a great way to sort of keep it top in mind may be to also look at how you 
might enhance your description of your compensation approach or the decisions that you've made in next year's proxy to sort of underscore why the company has taken a position that they have, maybe help to continue to keep that communication alive, not only with your shareholders, but with, of course, the broader external stakeholder community. Excellent points, particularly around keeping that feedback and making sure you follow up in the following year. I think that's a great point to, to keep in mind. And also, as you mentioned, you know, that at the end of the day, you know, it's the board's responsibility and the compensation committee's responsibility to set the philosophy and the direction of compensation and their fiduciary responsibility. But, but you know, gathering this information and having various points of view is a great input to the process. So, Jeff, so we've gathered this information and we've gone through this whole process. What aspects of this should be included in any kind of proxy disclosure going forward? How do we describe this process and in the proxy? Sure. Yeah. And then Caroline explained how you know you might take some of the feedback you received and make changes to how you're explaining just the plans and programs in the CDNA in the following year. But we're also seeing an increase in companies really just disclosing these outreach efforts, right? And going a little bit further, explaining the some of the details of the feedback they've received and even how they've made changes in response to some of that shareholder feedback. In fact, Meridian conducts a survey every year that covers this topic. And in the most recent survey, it showed that over 90% of large cap companies do disclose their shareholder outreach efforts in the proxy. More than half of those go into detail about what they heard from investors, the feedback they received, and even you know changes that they made in direct response to the shareholder feedback. Also common to disclose information around the number of investors you reached out to. Caroline alluded to this earlier, that there's benefits of even reaching out, even if you don't have a conversation and disclosing that in the proxy. And then, of course, the number of conversations you've had, the percentage of ownership that represents. And circling back to, we talked a little bit about the proxy advisors, you know, they favor these types of disclosures as well. So there's an added benefit when you're talking about this in the proxy, especially as it relates to executive compensation, this disclosure has a positive impact when the proxy advisors evaluate the comp programs and give their say on pay vote recommendations as well. And that's particularly true, as we all know, if you're coming off a year with a lower level of say on pay support, then it really almost becomes a critical element to demonstrate that you've listened to shareholders, here's what we've heard, here are the actions we took. I've seen you know various cases out there where coming off a low vote the prior year, a company apparently has a very clean compensation structure. There's really no reason you would expect them to get any kind of pushback from the proxy advisors, but but because they didn't very, you know, clearly articulate how they followed up and listened with shareholders and took action, they continue to get an against recommendation, even though their plans wouldn't necessarily call for that otherwise. So it's particularly important. Yeah, you're right. That is one of the categories kind of within their qualitative assessment is that responsiveness to feedback. This has been a great discussion. And I think clearly from our experience, you know, incorporating shareholder engagement into your normal governance process can really bear a lot of benefits. And not just when you're coming off a difficult say on pay year, but really at any point in the process, it bears a lot of benefits. So been great to have this conversation. And thanks again, Jeff and Caroline for joining us. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Executive Compensation Podcast. You can see more about this episode along with additional executive compensation insights at meridiancp.com. That's meridian, the letter C, and the letter P.com. This episode is brought to you by Meridian Compensation Partners. 
Meridian works with compensation committees to ensure the most effective processes are in place to go beyond mere compliance with governance requirements and create healthy, dynamic relationships between the board, management, and its advisors. Meridian helps boards use compensation to attract and retain critical talent and to make informed business decisions that will link pay and performance, drive business results, increase shareholder value, and mitigate potential risks. Learn more at meridiancp.com.